please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Mangalam Guru Devaya Devimatriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhaktabrindebhyo Sarvalokaya Mangalam Om Stavakaya Chadadmasya Sarvadarma Sarupine Avatara Varishtaya Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashiva Samarambam Shankaracharam Ajamam Ashmarachara Prayantam Bande Gurum Param Param Bande Gurum Param Param So last week, last two weeks, we're in the 10th sh- Skanda of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, where are we? Uh, this is the uh, the birth of Lord Krishna, and for so the last few months we've been talking uh, about uh, how the the, the you can't say the soul of Krishna because he's a super soul, the Paramatma, the how the Lord takes birth, how he entered first the mind of Vasudeva, and through the mind of Vasudeva into the body of Devaki. And last week, what did we read last week? Oh, the po- uh, uh, so when 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 the Lord entered the the womb of Devaki, it says uh, all the gods, the rishis, the munis, the Gandharvas, the Apsaras, everybody came, and it began to offer prayers to the to the Lord that was seemingly in the womb of Devaki. Uh, very beautiful prayers. Uh, very and one thing we're getting from these prayers, and today with another set of prayers will be recited is that there's a lot of philosophy even to understand something as simple and sweet and devotion to the birth of Lord Krishna right we've been reading we've been reading the Bhagavatam for years and years and years and we finally get to the most important part which is the birth of Krishna first important part Uh, but immediately so much philosophy is given there's an important reason because even the tradition says you're not supposed to read the tenth skanda of the Srimad Bhagavatam where Krishna Lila is given until you've read and theoretically at least understood the first nine skandhas which is which has taken us nine years and most people here have not been to all in some none of the classes <laughs> some very few of the classes some of the classes we encourage you to read Srimad Bhagavatam because you misunderstand Krishna Lila unless you understand who Krishna is if you understand him to be a famous man Right then, then it becomes very bewildering. His behavior becomes bewildering. His authority for teaching becomes bewildering. When because usually, uh, um, if you see somebody whose uh, behavior is difficult to understand, we can over we can we may be able to tolerate and you know, we give him the benefit of the doubt. But it doesn't mean that you listen. He loses. He doesn't have much authority to teach you anything. So if we were to understand even the teachings in Bhagavad Gita and Anuruddha Gita like that and Mahabharata, uh, and his and we question the very behavior and the personality of Krishna, then what's 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 the authority? Why should we accept? It makes it questions everything. Um, and so, the, uh, in the very opening chapter, or one of the opening chapters, the whole Shrimad Bhagavatam, there's a most famous line. Remember, anybody remember what that famous line is? It's four words. It's the most quoted. It's Krishna tu Bhagavan Swayam. Right. It says, but to Krishna, Krishna, but but Krishna, Bhagavan Swam, he's the original, he's 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 Bhagavan himself. He's God. Right? If you don't understand that Krishna is God, then everything about Krishna Lila will be 
un incomprehensible or bewildering or misleading or confusing or dangerous even, right? People misuse Krishna Lila all the time, you know. Uh, but if you understand, as soon as you understand, oh, Krishna is Bhagavan, right, it's two things happen. Well, in the opening, we first started, some months ago, we, st we started the, the tenth skanda. We gave kind of a long introduction on how to understand Krishna Lila. But two simple things happen. If you understand Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam 1, is that, oh, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. Right, it's not to be older. You know, he's God. He can. There's nothing fantastic like that. Another thing, he's God. So if you accept him, oh, God incarnate and God's all powerful, can do whatever he wants and does anything and and, and without question, that's one way accepting. Or depends how you accept God. If God is spirit, right, and therefore beyond, so what's being discussed is something spiritual, not material. He's Bhagavan. So if he's Bhagavan, if Krishna is Bhagavan, then his activities have to be taken uh, spiritually can't say symbolically, but, but what's with symbolism, metaphor, mythology, uh, mysticism, so many things, not just history. Because it's not Krishna too, is all, not, not Krishna, but Krishna is a man who had a history, we believe that. But Krishna, but the important part, the, the interpretation uh, method is Krishna too, Bhagavan, but Krishna is God. So everything you're reading, it's of course, nothing's impossible for God, but this is, has, this is deeper than we think. It's not just plain history, right? It's deeper than history. We can't dismiss it as, oh, it's mere mythology. I don't consider mythology mere. Mythology, if, uh, in a non-pejorative use of the term, is something that's deeper. It's a deeper truth than simply the details of history. Right? Like here, today we're celebrating, this weekend we're celebrating an important historic, seemingly historical event. Right? The death of Jesus, right, who died for the sins of the world. Right? And then descended into, and then was buried and was descended into hell. And after three days, was resurrected from the dead. And after a couple of weeks, was uh, 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 was ascended into heaven. sits on the right hand of the father, left or right hand of the father. I forget. And uh, uh, all his glory. Right now, that's what everybody celebrates. And people believe this is the date happened. This is we know his. We look in the Bible. We see the, the date. It's a few days before um, uh, uh, Passover. Today's Passover. So he was crucified yesterday. You know, like we can we can pace it together like that. And so we celebrate an historical event of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Right, but resurrections aren't something that happened. Right, we believe oh it happened. Right, but that's not a thing to happen. Right, it's not a physical possibility. Something that died doesn't come back alive in a normal way we're thinking. Right, so maybe it happened. Oh, Krishna, Jesus is also Bhagavan. He's directly God. He can do it. That's just proof. Look how wonderful and glorious he is. That's okay. We're not challenging that. But it also, if 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 Jesus is God, we accept Jesus as God. Maybe this has a deeper or. I can't say deeper, but other deep significances of, 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 of birth and resurrection, of new, of new life, of transcending, uh, transcending the physical nature of the body. There's so many things that could be, uh, once you take it as spiritual, not just, not just historical, right? Uh, 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 that it has infinitely more meaning. And it has not infinitely more meaning, but has some meaning to a modern logical person. Because uh, my, my aunt just recently bought a book, uh, I think, I mean the book, I remember. Um, I, was at, I took her to the bookstore, right, and she was just looking at a book that looked interesting. It was like, uh, Religion, Terrorism, and the Age of Reason was the title of the book, right? <laughs> and the conclusion of the book, I mean, I just, I mean, I, I got the glimpse of it, and I turned to the back page, and the back page simply says, what is conclusion? Right, it says, well, it's, it's about time this, this, uh, this, irrational, this ir irrational thing called religion is overcome. It's held, it's helped human, humankind back since time immemorial. It's clearly not logical, 
right? So it's like, well, here you go. You have people dying for other people's mistakes and then and, and being resurrected after three days. And belief in that that this impossible thing happened is a way that somebody saved, you know, uh, from similar fate. You know, so it's a very strange. So it's like at a logical point, it can be easily. You know, we, we're as men, women of faith, whatever that means. We're uh, we're one one logic, one one reasoned argument away from not being able to defend our perspective, <laughs> right? You know, so if you if you hold it only histor if you only his hold it historically, of course, Krishna do Bhagavan it, it could happen. He can do whatever he wants. But Krishna do Bhagavan Swayam, it's a spirit. It's meant to be spiritual. So a few days ago, we talked a lot about what does this immaculate conception mean. Right, it's a biological impossibility. Yet all the scriptures state that all the saviors and prophets and avatars were immaculately conceived. Right, so maybe it has it doesn't have anything to do with. Maybe it doesn't just have to do with DNA strands, <laughs> right? Which seems to be an impossibility. But with 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 spirit being born out of matter or within matter, there's all kinds of ways you can interpret it. So similarly, with um, these verses we are reading. Uh, uh, when they're saying that oh, Krish- the God is born, Krishna is born, or has appeared in the womb of Devaki and the gods come and pray those verses are were sublimely uh, spiritual they state that the first thing is that you are Param Satyam Satyavrata the, the first line had like 12 or 13 different versions of Satya means he's the absolute complete supreme unchanging ever awake unmitigated un, uh, beyond name beyond form beyond duality truth Right, that, that that's what we're praying to, and then the mystery is that is now in the womb of somebody and about to be born, right? So it's actually not possible. The, the, the but but it is possible. That's the mystery. Though it's we're giving, it's being told it's spiritual. So the first few verses I'm going to read uh, is from the uh, uh, chapter three of the tenth skanda, is Krishna's birth. Very beautiful, and I'm I'm reading. It's mostly narrative. I'm reading from an existing translation of Tapasyananda, Swami Tapasyananda. And then when it gets to the next philosophical prayer that uh, I, I worked a little bit today and translated some verses, we'll read from our translation, more line, word by word. I already lost my place. Devaki's hymn. Krishna is born. Now came that most auspicious and favorable time when the star Rohini was in the ascendant and all the other star, stars and planets were in a very beneficent disposition. So this is Janmashtami. It happened just at midnight on Ashtami, the eighth day, when Rohini was the nakshatra, the nakshatra under Rohini. So just like we were talking today, there's some confusion in when is, when is Hanuman Jayanti. Was it today or yesterday? So every year it happens, that almost every year, maybe one or two, I said that in my, in my adult consciousness it hasn't happened where some temples will celebrate Janmashtami on Saptami, others celebrate on Ashtami, two different days, right? Because some say, oh, Janmashtami means the eighth day. But no, 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 it has to be when, when um, uh, uh, Rohini is in the ascendant, right? And those don't always exactly match, right? And Krishna's birth, they both exactly match, but they're a little bit off sometimes, right? So some people celebrate on, on Ashtami or when Rohini is ascendant, so it's given the exact moment. Now came the most auspicious favorable time when the star Rohini was in the ascendant and all the other stars and planets were in a very beneficent, beneficent disposition. Peaceful silence reigned in all the quarters. The stars shone clear in the sky. All the village cowherd settlements and mining quarries saw the dawn of a prosperous era. The rivers flowed with, with uh, pure waters. 
The tanks were full of lotus blossoms. The woodlands were re resonant with the chirping of fluttering birds and the buzzing of bees and trees and creepers heavy laden with flowers. Soft blew the breeze, dust-free and fragrant, and gently glowed the fires of the sacrificial, in the sacrificial hearths of the holy. Accepting the minds of evil ones like Kamsa, the minds of all good men felt peace within. So this is, uh, 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 we have this one Swami I know named Varshana Swami. He wrote a very lovely book called Gorilila, The Life of Chaitanya. Uh, 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 uh. And he describes in a very similar language, taken from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Chaitanya Mangala and Chaitanya Bhagavat, three authoritative books on Chaitanya's uh, life, a very similar when Chaitanya was born. That time it was an eclipse, right? But just at the time of the eclipse, when he was born, everything... The rivers flowed smoothly, the fires uh, 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 burned purely, uh, uh, all, the f all, f all fruiting trees, whether in season or not, began to give fruit, all flowers, all, bu all bees were buzzing, right? So um, maybe that happened, right? Maybe everything, but you can see when you're in a good mood and things, something auspicious, you can feel it, right? And, and uh, uh, there's a, something happens in the atmosphere, but if, if you have the mind to see, you'll see the world change, right? Uh, uh, uh. And so in that book he writes, he says, at that moment, the earth, the earth goddess, right, in anticipation for her, the birth of her Lord, right, took on its most glorious raiment. Is that the word? Uh, raiment? Raiment. Ra what is it? Raiment. Raiment. Right. I've read all these words, but <laughs> I grew up in a Mexican family, so my, I haven't had much, <laughs> I don't speak these words. I don't think I've ever said the word before. <laughs> Raymond. Um, uh, uh. And she says, and the earth then and still does now have that appearance for those who have the eyes to see, right? For the expectant, for those who are expecting the birth of the, the advent of the Lord, the earth always has that appearance. It's always in that state, right? Uh, uh. For those who have the eyes, those who don't, it's just, you can see, like, like, you know, it's like, oh, it's a miracle. Look at this tree. Like, it's just a tree. It's doing what a tree does. Why, why make a big deal about it? Right? Everything is, everything is in, in, in the proper perspective. But if you're expecting, the, uh, uh, at, at this moment, the Lord's being, the, this is the auspicious moment. Everything becomes auspicious. Even inauspicious things become auspicious. So in the, in the li life of Lord Chaitanya, he's born during a very, last night, today, was a, this morning was a lunar eclipse. Right. So, what's everybody doing? Lunar eclipses are very da spiritually dangerous, materially dangerous. Right. So, people, one thing people do, they 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 close their windows and they hide inside. Especially pregnant women will hide inside. Nothing bad happens to their child during this time. Uh, 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 nobody eats. People fast ahead of time, so there's no food and water in their stomach. They should not eat anything during the eclipse. So, this food and water become poison during the eclipse. Right. Because the demon Rahu attacking the the moon. Right. This Rahu Rahu attacking the moon. Right, and the moon represents the mind, right? So it's very disturbing to the mind. But what religious people do, they know it's also a powerful time for sadhana. So they're doing yagya, they're going to Kurichetra today itself probably. At, uh, at Kurichetra there are thousands of people doing yagya. Every, every uh, lunar eclipse it's a huge place. In Allahabad, our, our, our kind of hometown in India, millions of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people go to the Ganga, to the Sangam, and take bath in, uh, during the eclipse. They take back during the eclipse, and then they wait till after the eclipse. They take another bath after the eclipse, because you have to purify yourself after the eclipse. You become impure, so you have to. T it's auspicious to bathe during the eclipse, and then you have to bathe after the eclipse because you become impure during the eclipse. Or you can spend better. You spend the whole eclipse waist deep in the Ganga chanting mantras, 
Right. So it says when Lord Chaitanya was born, right at moonrise, it was an eclipse. So the moon rose, but there was no moon rising. Right. So what happened? Everybody, all the pious people, all the Brahmins and, and super religious, or, or we would say superstitious people who believe in such, such things, right? What are they doing? They're waist deep in water, in the Ganga, and chanting mantras. Right. Uh, according to the text, they say they're chanting Mahamantra. Mahamantra wasn't popularized back then. They were chanting Hadi's name. Right. Right. And then, then it also says that the, the texts say, but what about the, the atheists who consider these pious people just completely ridiculous and, 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 and superstitious? They're making fun of them by also chanting, oh, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, like making fun of those who are chanting. So, but to the right eye, you see when the Lord's born, he's, he's born when everyone's chanting, right? It's not an auspicious, it's a most auspicious story. Where regular and the full people look at the full moon, pretty moon, and then they go to bed. Right, they have dinner and go to bed, but during eclipse, everybody's chanting. So it's not inauspicious, auspicious, and 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 usually we consider uh, people insulting devotees to be inauspicious. No, just see, even non-devotees are chanting. This is symbolic in the life of Chaitanya, who spread his religion amongst everyone. Right, this new religion of devotion. Right, so even the even an inauspicious time, with from the right eyes, is seen. Oh, it's so auspicious. Right, you know, an eclipse became. Oh, it's a perfect time, and then it's given a new spin. It says that that uh, the, the moon, seeing the birth of his Lord, uh, uh, blushed and covered her face. Right, that was the eclipse. It's not an eclipse at all. Right, everything becomes so. Everything becomes poetic and beautiful, just like this description. Right, that uh, becomes poetic and beautiful. And Krishna was he? He's born in he's, he's born in a prison. His parents are shackled. Right, uh, six of his brothers and si brothers have been have been slaughtered. Right in the you know in mid in middle of the night, very inauspicious, but it's very auspicious to the right eyes. Everything is beautiful and auspicious. Because everyone, and this is the key, ex accepting the minds of the evil ones like Kamsa, right, the the demon king who has put them in prison, the minds of all good a good men felt peace within. So it's like that, that's the key. That those who spiritually minded people see this as auspicious. Only. Evil-minded become uh, agitated. In the heavens, the kettle drums of the celestial sound are announcing the imminent birth of the Lord, who has no birth. Verse five, yes, I looked up. Because I read that, going, oh, that's a great line. I had to look it up. That's fair. But you saw me look up that word. It's a uh, uh, Jayamani Jani. Jayamani Jani. That it's the birth of the one that has no birth. Right, so that's so. Maybe if to the maybe on heavens are beating on on, on, on on drums, right? But think about all nature itself is 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 is, is uh, uh, responding to something that's impossible, right? So something it's it's giving it's giving a hint of something or giving announcing something extremely spiritual that that which is that cannot be born, the the birthless one is going to be born. Right, it has to be. It's a spirit. Even the term, the birth of the the birth of the birthless one, right, is showing that it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a historical thing. It's being described. It's a completely spiritual state, or reality, or experience. It's being described. When that happens, even the the drums and the heavens, the the gods announce that such a such a birth. Kinaras and Gandharvas sang. These are divine musicians. Siddhas and Charana, Charanas are Charanas hymned. And Vijadaras with Apsadas joyfully danced. The Munis, the sages, together with the Devas, showered flowers with delight, and the clouds, clouds roared gently in tune with the ocean. At such a time, in the pitch darkness of midnight, 
Mahavishnu. The uh, so right at there's also this midnight is very important. Midnight is every one of these uh, divine occurrences happens at at some sandhya, at some juncture, right? We know like Chaitanya was born at moonrise during the eclipse, two big junctures, right? Uh, 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 Rama was born at noon, right? Uh, um, uh, Nishingadev was born at sunrise, sunset. Right, Je- Jesus resurrected at sunrise. Right, so that's when we celebrate. We have, you know, that's you think of these timings are there. Also, when was Jesus born? Of course, we don't actually know, but tradition is midnight. Right, we also celebrate his birth at midnight too. The midnight mass is required. Right, you, you don't have to go to church all the time, but Christmas is one of the required ones. It's the one I went to. It's <laughs> the only one I went to growing <laughs> up. Midnight mass guaranteed. Right. Uh, 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 uh. So these junctures, Sundays are very, very important. And midnight's a very big one. Midnight, and the, the definition of midnight in Western calendar is a change of date when day starts. But in, we were talking earlier that um, in the Vedic tradition, the day doesn't start at midnight, they start at sunrise. Right? Midnight is the proper midnight, the exact time between sunrise, sunset and sunrise. Right? right now, it's right around midnight because we just had the equinox. Right, uh, but sometimes it's considerably off. It's like noon is not twelve. Noon is between sunrise and sunset, so it changes about two minutes every day. So the exact midnight, the time, the time period for, for the tantrics do sadhana, the special time at midnight, has some to, has a lot to do with the current internal currents of Ida and Pingala and how they're balanced. At sun, at sunrise, at sunset, at noon, and at midnight, the currents, the Ida and Pingala are naturally balanced. Right, that's another thing. Right, we take that a little bit internal uh, uh, we this is called swar and the swaras um, right now you're breathing only through one nostril we breathe if you test your finger you're p- most likely breathing only out of one no- primarily out of one nostril and that switches every about every two and a half hours right in the healthy person right and uh, it doesn't roughly every two and a half hours right these called swara uh, 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 but it happens it switches and we usually don't notice when it switches Right. You can make it switch. There's all kinds of things. You know, a lot of this is making it, you know, when you do pranayama, you're purposely switching, forcing the pranas through different uh, ida and pingala through the nostrils like this, right? But it happens naturally throughout the day, but unnoticed for most things. Also, when these things, when it happens, there, the, there's a text called uh, uh, Shiva Swarodhya. It's a tantric text spoken by Lord Shiva himself about the science of swara, a very esoteric uh, hatha yoga text. And it mentions that that uh, 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 that as the swaras move, as the prana moves, the ida and pingala at different times, also different chakras are active. While the different swaras, its different activities are beneficial. So yogis are obsessed with timing, right? So sometimes what we do, what we normally do, we look at we well, nowadays we look online at that in that good website and find out the exact time to do something, right? But other times, in the olden people are just like. Okay, we'll do it. And they, st- well, they, know, they figure out which breath, which chakra, they can te- figure out which chakra is active, what, what side is like that, what side the person asking the question is, what type of work has to be done, which, which foot they should step, and, and they can do it, they act like this, the exact moments like this. So there's all these subtle uh, ben- beneficial points. But when it moves, when Ida and Pingala are in, 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 in harmony, right, then prana automatically moves into shashumna. These are a few seconds, a few minutes daily throughout the day. At that time, nothing materially is beneficial. 
Because the Ada and Pinga have to do with the mind and the emotions. Most of our actions are in these two worlds, right? The actions in this world, our internal actions are emotional, our external actions are mental and physical, right? Jai Ma, Jai Ma. Um, uh, uh, jai Ma, Jai Ma. Um, but in Shishumna, it has no benefit either for the mind or for the body or for the emotions, right? So anything done, any activity done will fail. So in astrology, you can figure out the exact moments when that happens. These are dead times, right? There's nothing, uh, there's Shud and Ashud and Mangal and Amangal, all these times in an astrological chart, uh, in the daily and uh, the uh, Panchangam chart, one of the things, that one, of the, one of the elements. Um, uh, 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 so when it goes into Shishumna, no benefit is there. So no material benefit, but incredible spiritual benefit, right? So we, it happened throughout the day, we miss it. Right, so doing anything material won't have any benefit, but sadhana has great benefit during this juncture, right? And so that's why you know at sunrise people chant Gayatri mantra, do sandhya called sandhya vandana, the worship during the sandhya time. They're chanting Gayatri, meditating. We try to wake up early, try, try, slowly, slowly. Sometimes wake up early, uh, 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 and at sunrise do, to do japa meditation at that time very beneficial. And evening sandhya same time at the sunset. We, we, we ring bells, we do arati, we do bhajan, kirtan, meditation during that time. So these are the two most dramatic ones, but also the noon and also the, the midnight. So when that happens, when Ida and Pingala are balanced, shishumna, prana is naturally in shishumna. When prana is naturally in shishumna, only then can kundalini come. If we take a yogic interpretation of the birth of Krishna, which we're giving as one, one way of understanding the text, right? So he's born right at midnight when, when, when uh, uh, Ida and Pingala are in a very um, um, uh, uh, balanced, perfectly balanced, and, and Chishumna Nadi is awake. This is why the Tantrics, they do their sadhana, especially at midnight. Midnight is a very powerful time. Because midnight, Ida and, Shishumna are, Ida and Pingala are balanced. Shishumna is awake, theoretically, right? If we're in a normal condition. Right, but also because of midnight, the the, the 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 solar mind is very the the masculine logical external consciousness is very much suppressed, right? And that's ultimate what gets in the way of our meditation, gets in the way of our uh, our, our intuiting divine realities, right? So uh, at noon, it's an important sadhana time too. But the, the everything's balanced, the energy's balanced, but the but the logical external masculine physical type of mind is that energy is I mean glaring the sun is glaring right so the sun and moon you know so now at this time the moonlight during this time very auspicious in the uh, uh, at such a time in the pitch of darkness at midnight Mahavishnu the residence in the hearts of all was born to divinely beautiful Devaki like the full moon rising on the eastern horizon so this Mahavishnu who is the residence in everyone's heart is born it's, again. It's impossible. The infinite is born as a finite um, uh, experience, like the full moon rising on the eastern horizon. Lotus. So when he's born, actually she doesn't get give birth, as per the story, right? Buddha was born from the side of his mother, right? Not through a normal birthing uh, experience, right? Not through labor, right? So that's obviously I I doubt. Maybe they had some op uh, uh, psychic operation where the, she came out of the side, right? She was, uh, I think, she was impregnated by an elephant, by a spirit, by by uh, a, 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 a ethereal elephant, and she was born from the side, showing this is a spiritual birth, right? Like the virgin birth of Jesus, like this. So similarly, Mary, I mean, um, uh, Devaki, she did not 
she, she and the Lord enter her, her her womb or her body through the mind of Vasudeva, and then simply appeared. She didn't give birth, right? Because he appears with four arms and four, uh, four arms, right? A crown, fully dressed with jewelry, right? Now, I mean, uh, if she had given birth, I mean, uh, <laughs> it would have been a very painful situation. It was four arms; it would be very difficult, right? So she's just so the the birth is just then he just at the proper time. She, there the Lord's fully manifested. Other people hold that if it's a historical event, then she probably gave birth and then they had a visionary experience of who, who she had given birth to. And that's also likely if it's Krishna is taken as historical, like Sri Ramakrishna. We also, many people had the same type of stories happened in Sri Ramakrishna's life where um, the, the same God, uh, the, uh, mother uh, uh, Chand, uh, Chandramani uh, had visions of gods and goddesses and rishis praying to her womb. Same. Same as the exact same thing. We know historically like this, right? Uh, but she gave. We know she gave birth in a normal, biological way, right? But then immediately she started having visions of like she put the baby to bed, and then she go and then she turn around. She'd be a full grown man in her in the bed. Then she freak out. Oh my God! A man has come and stole my baby. And she freak out and calls him. He came back and came back and this little little Ramakrishna Gadara would be there. So similarly, I mean, who who or what has been born in in that body? Is mysterious, right? So either she just appeared in four arms and four legs, four arms and a crown and clothes, or appeared as a baby and then revealed himself as who he really is as Mahavishnu. The normal traditional signs of Mahavishnu. Lotus eyed, four arms, sporting the conch, mace, and other weapons, with the luminous Srivatsam mark on his chest and Shindi Kastoba on his neck. These are the signs of Vishnu. These four things and certain marks on his chest and certain jewelry. Um, Wearing a yellow cloth, possessed of the majesty and grace of a heavy rain cloud. So actually, that's the thing she, uh, Krishna is always seen as Pitambara. He, he wears yellow cloth, right? And that's, that's a sign of Vishnu. Vishnu's incarnations always have yes, yellow cloth. Yellow is also um, has some symbolic uh, in science of color like this. this. Yellow is a color of the earth element. Right uh, in the bupur of, of a yantra, the earth, the muladhara chakra, we have a square, and that's yellow. It's visualized as yellow, as the color of earth element. Right, and also you have like sh- uh, these deities where, from the waist down, they're dressed in yellow. Right, because they're also representing the, the the virat purusha, the cosmic being, right, whose bottom half is the earth, the up half is is the uh, space and sky, the ha- the heads, the 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 heavens. Uh, the front is life, the back is death, the three eyes, the sun, moon, and fire. It goes on, it, it, the, the cosmic being. So that yellow also is shown in, in the symbolic language to be yellow cloth means that the, his body, his bottom part of his body is the earth itself, uh, seen that way. Majesty and grace of a heavy, uh, heavy and, and he's dark like, like, a, like he's sham, right? And sham it, it means black, it means blue, it means gray, it means the color of a rain cloud. Right, and so if you if you, if you spend a lot of time staring at rain clouds, a cloud full of rain, right? Uh, this is the same color. Kali is also seen as Ksham, as the same color, Shama. Uh, uh, uh. And so that, but also that combination of the dark, the dark, uh, uh, the dark rain cloud with the yellow cloth. Many times, maybe even here, I forget exactly, but it's it's often described like lightning in a rain cloud, right? That's so the the full. Uh, and also, this this is a even though he's take she's being born in a in in a, in a in a in a dungeon of a of a, of a, of, a, of a local king, right? The Krishna Lila has much to do with pastoral natural settings, right? And this is this is we've I mean nowadays I mean if it rains we go inside, 
right? We don't <laughs> what happens, right? Right, and, and thunder just scares our cat, our dog, you know. So we don't, you know. But but most people in the world, you know, like nature, that's their 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 lance, their their um, uh, their artistic canvas of life is is nature itself. It's the sky, the clouds, the uh, uh, so the analogies and the symbols and all that. Uh, with locks gleaming with luster of the, diadem, uh, of the diadem and earrings studded with precious stones, bedecked with splendorous ornaments like bracelets, armlets, and waist girdle. Such was the luminous form of the unique child that greeted Vasudeva's vision. Looking with eyes wide open with wonder at the form of Hari born as his child, Vasudeva in the excitement and the festivity of Krishna's birth mentally gifted 10,000 cows to the Brahmanas. The thing is that birth of a child, you give lavish gifts. But what can he do? He's in prison, right? So he mentally, I give. I'm beautiful. Like uh, uh, now, when people, when a child's born, people give us gifts. <laughs> we have to call it baby showers and things like this, right? The old and any auspicious thing, lavish giving of gifts is the sign of auspiciousness. Uh, uh. Realizing the child. To be none other than the supreme being, and recognizing his prowess, Vasudeva, with his intellect purified and mind free from fear, saluted and prostrated himself before him, who was illuminating the whole of that lying room, lying in room, with the divine with his divine luster, and began to praise him as follows. So, Krishna tu Bhagavanswe, and we're also being to, once again. If that's the theme of, if that's the. Uh, uh, the interpretive uh, principle of the whole book from the very beginning it's like when Krishna is born what do we see? we see him four arms blue body fully clothed right holding conch and disc and club and lotus and like this right so there's no doubt who we're talking about is is Vishnu Bhagavan Supreme Lord himself Uh, no questions any questions? no questions good so the verses so then he starts uh, 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 praising. Uh, uh, uh. These first two verses are very lovely. Vasudeva uvacha, viritosi bhavan shakshat, purusha pakrite paraha, kevala anubhavananda anandam swarupa sarva buridrik. Sri Vasudeva uvacha, uh, uh, the holy Vasudeva, the father of Vasudeva, is speaking, speaks or prays. Vidito Ashi. Vidita Ashi. I now understand. Right, you have to say it's not either. We're trying to understand. We, I mean, we're trying to understand what is it that, who is it that's, could be, that's being born, who was born then, or who want to be born here in our own consciousness, in our own, in our own life. Uh, he, he's, he's, this is the flash of divine, divine illumination. I now understand what? Bhavan, Lord. Right? Shakshat. You are directly, O Lord, you are directly that Lord. You are uh, himself, uh, Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru De- Guru Shakshat Parambrahma. You are verily that Lord. You are directly that Lord. Right? Purusha, uh, Shakshat Purushaha. You are, di- O Lord, I now understand, I fully understand, O Lord, that you are Purusha. Right? What is Purusha? Purusha means man, or means person, actually. Right? But here it's using the language, and these verses heavily use the language of Sankhya philosophy. And Sankhya philosophy, there's a school of thought called Sankhya, on which uh, uh, the school of yoga, Patanjali's yoga system, is based upon that school. 
Sankhya, but it's not. It's you. It's so, but it's not directly discussing. It's not agreeing. This is pre. It predates that school for starters, the modern school of Sankhya. It's more along the the, the, the which is attributed to the school of Sankhya is attributed to a Muni called Kapila, Kapila Muni. There's two Kapilas. There's a later Kapila who wrote the um, uh, uh, Sankhya Karanika, I think it's called, right? I think which is a, a very important uh, book on Sankhya philosophy. But in the Bhagavatam, it describes the Kapila, the, the, father, the son of Devahuti, right? Uh, uh, the original Kapila. Just like there's many Vyasas also. You can see even in, in our life, there's, several, there's been a couple in this generation, two or three Sai Babas. There's Shruti Sai Baba, and then there's Sachi Sai Baba, and there's claiming there's going to be another Sai Baba. So you can see different people think, oh, it's the same Sai Baba. No, it's definitely not the same Sai Baba. According to, so similarly, the people who can, it's the same, the same soul came and taught uh, Sankhya. Other people say, no, the philosophy is different. The other one's a demon. The second Kapila is an atheist, because his school of thought is atheistic. But the original Kapila in the Bhagavatam, the, the, the son of Devaki, uh, 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 was considered an incarnation of Bhagavan, right, who taught a beautiful uh, devotional path, right? But Sankhya literally means uh, and to an analyze, right? This is analytical philosophy, I guess you would call it, or... Uh, like Aristotelian philosophy, right? That of categories and differences and, and comparing, right? So it's a way of seeing what's the difference between matter and spirit, what's an, uh, what's a, uh, of, of earth, fire, water, ether, the different elements, the different, analyzing, seeing the differences of things. That's Sankhya. To analyze. So Sankhya means san- an- analyzing, right? And so the school, so he's using the language of Sankhya philosophy, which is just the old world way of analyzing. Let's, an- let's, all, let's, let's carefully analyze what happens, right? And so, in, in Sankhya philosophy, the primary distinction is... So what are the two main distinctions in, in, in Purusha and... Well, okay, that's easy, it's an easy one. Purusha and Prakriti, right? So, Purusha, so this is simply described in a very simplistic way as spirit and matter, right? That's a simple way of saying, right? But that's not, it's simplistic and too simplistic when you something simplified too much it becomes wrong right that's not the simple thing but if you were to say like so pakriti sometimes we say nature it's another way of saying right or manifested uh, 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 this whole world of manifestation of name and form that which is moving that which is manifesting right pakriti means that 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 which is in constant motion constant activity constant vibration right and purusha is the person right and so we're all little purushas, but there's also the purusha. He's not saying that you're just a small purusha who's conscious of that which is changing, the unchanging witness. You're the purusha. I realize, oh Bhagavan, I understand you are in himself or itself, uh, shakshat. You are verily itself that purusha, right? And he says, uh, shaksha purusha pakriti paraha, which is beyond pakriti, right? So, so we have to understand a lot of this. So, in 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 the uh, in the teachings of the basic worldview of, of Sankhya thinking, Purusha and Purusha, you have matter and spirit, to use that simplistic matter and spirit, you have consciousness or awareness and that which we are aware of, right? And so uh, in Sankhya, in the later schools of Sankhya, these are considered two eternal realities. You have material nature and you have a, a conscious uh, witness or spirit. And they're eternal and they're entirely different. They're two very different things. They're never the same. Yoga, Patanjali's yoga system is based upon, can't say based upon, but it's, um, it assumes the truth of that school of Sankhya, of, 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 of Sankhya, right? So the this changing of nature is never spirit, 
It's simply matter. There's two realities, matter and spirit, right? And the, the problem is that matter, what happens? Matter is dead, right? Just like if we were to use materially, just elements, the elements of nature are dead, right? But th- when there is a presence of life, there it seems to move, right? And so when you, when like uh, uh, in, the, in the presence of Purusha, of spirit, that dynamic energetic uh, consciousness, Pakriti vibrates, right? And in the vibration of Pakriti, Purusha thinks, oh, look, I'm moving. Look what I'm doing. It's me. Look how, I'm, look, look how I'm moving. So Purusha then identifies, it's the cause of the vibration of Pagriti, which is not, but it's not Pagriti, but thinks, seeing it's, what it's doing, it says, oh, look who I am, look what I'm doing. Right? And so that's how, in, in Sankhya system, how we think we're the body. The soul is manifest and moving. This, without the presence of the soul, the body won't move. The second the body leaves, uh, we throw away that. We throw away that. Well, one minute you're giving all care to uh, uh, somebody's body. The second something leaves, Purusha leaves, the person leaves, right? Then, you know, oh, very, very sad, you start crying, right? And then you call somebody to remove that body because it becomes unclean, it will start decomposing. And there's nothing, then, uh, 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 nothing to hold it, the, the core principle to hold it together is the Purusha has left. So, so as we see, as soon as the Purusha is, in, and the Purusha is making the body move, and you see the body, oh, look, I'm moving. It's not, look, look, I'm moving the body, it's I'm moving. Right, and and, that, and we and we get lost in in we think we're the body, we think this world is who we are and what we are, and we identify, and that's called that in Sankhya that's called Maya. Like we misidentify with the movements of Pakriti, thinking it's us. So we think we're the body, we think we're this world, this world is 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 dependent on us and, and is us, right? So, uh, um, but. In the in the Bhagavatam earlier on, uh, in early chapters, many years ago, we were reading these these verses. It had a beautiful description. He says, like, how is it that it's it is the the, the Pakriti Purusha is the cause of the movement of Pakriti, but it's not the cause of the movement of Pakriti. How is it both? And the examples given, beautiful example of like ice, and the sun. The sun causes the ice and the sun. The, the ice and the sun are two entirely eternally different things. They actually have nothing to do. They're exact opposite. You can't get more opposite than ice and sun. One's really hot and really far away, a giant ball of fire with a nuclear reactor in the middle of it. And one's really solid water. Cold, solid water, really far away. There's not much simil- similarity, right? But when the sun shines on ice, what happens? Right? The ice melts by the energy of the sun and begins to move, right? So the sun can think, oh, look, I've made the water move. It has made the water, but it's done nothing. It is the cause of the water moving, but it hasn't done anything. It's just been the sun. So Purusha is, spirit is simply what it is, and it is the cause of the movements of nature, manifesting nature, but it's not the cause of the manifestation of nature, right? So this is, that's uh, some uh, background in, in, in Sankhya. Now it's using that, like, you are that itself, you are that Purusha, you are pure uh, spirit, awareness, this energy of consciousness, right? And it says, Pakriti Paraha, which is beyond Pakriti. Paraha means other than Pakriti, right? So it's another thing. In other words, you're not matter. You're, you are, I, I realize you're the self, not matter, right? So Pada means other. Pada means supreme, right? You are, uh, um, um, you are superior to Pakriti. Uh, Pada also means you're over Pakriti. You're the controller of Pakriti, right? Purusha Pakriti Paraha. So I... Uh, uh, I understand, Lord, that you are Purusha itself beyond Pakriti. What is your nature? Kevala 
anubhava ananda. Three, it's one, it merges into one word, kevala anubhava ananda, something like that. So your nature, kevala, kevala means singularity. It's a way of saying non-dual, but it doesn't mean non-dual, it means there's only one thing, right? So you are that, you are, your nature is that one Absolutely one without, my Guruji would say, only one without a second. That was his language. Without a second means there is no second. Not not everything becomes one or one in comparison. No, it's like there is no there's no other thing. There's only one thing. Because Anubhava, anub, what is Anubhava? Anubhava means direct experience. So your nature, your Swarupa, is the nature of the experience of absolutely non absolute non-duality. Anubhava, Ananda. You are the, so it's, it's, uh, Kevala or Advaita, non-dual Anubhava, direct experience of Ananda, bliss your nature is the blissful experience of, of non, or the bliss of non-dual experience, I mean you can, you can put those words in, you know, the bliss of non-dual experience or the non-dual experience of bliss or the, you can, you know all those, they all have flavors of the meaning they're all saying the same thing in different, slightly different words, right uh-uh Sarupam, sarva buddhi drik, sarva buddhi all buddhi intelligence or here buddhi is understood to be all modifications of the mind, our thinking, our feeling, our awareness, our think, our um, reaction, everything that we're, we're that we're experienced mentally, buddhi. You are sarva buddhi all the either of all beings or every aspect of, of our of our awareness and our thinking, our cognition, drik. You are its witness. You're the seer of that. So who is it being born? Actually, what's being born, of course, it's Krishna, Bhagavan himself is being born, right, with four arms and in order to kill Kamsa. But take it, t- take it as a spiritual, what's spiritually being said also, is that you are, you are the, it's a realization of the Purusha, the, the, the witness of everything. And that's the nature of Purusha, Purusha is pure consciousness, right? And Pakriti is that which it's conscious of, right? Uh, uh, in Tantra, we, we say Prakash and Vimarsha. Prakash is a light of awareness, light of consciousness, and but awareness cannot exist without being conscious of something. So as soon as there's awareness, it has to be. In order to be awareness, it has to be aware of something. So as soon as there's awareness, there's awareness, something to reflect itself. And that's called Prakasha, uh, Vimarsha, a mirror in which uh, uh, that awareness needs to know itself. Right. So that's in Tantra we use uh, Prakasha and Vimarsha. In, in Sankhya we use Purusha and Pakriti. You are that... So this could be also describing, oh, who the one's being born is the one that the yogis and the sankhyas and the Vedantas call that. Or it can also be taken as, if we take it very symbolically and very internally, this is a realization of, of a, a glimpse, a beginning glimpse of the one, of our own, uh, the, the source of our own awareness, right? The, 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 the purusha, the, 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 the one purusha behind all purushas, the paramatma behind all atmas, you could say. I understand, Lord, that you are the Purusha itself beyond Pakriti. Your nature is perception of non-dual bliss. You are the witness of all minds or of all movements of the intellect. Sa eva swa pakritiyadam strishte argya tri gunatmakam tar anutvam hi apravishtaha pravishta eva eva bhavaya sorry bhavyase Sa eva swa prakritya. 
So you've created, it says, you, after creating this world, you've created this world out of Swaprakriti, Swaprakritya, by your own Prakriti. So this is where it deviates the philosophy of, of, of this devotional philosophy of the Bhagavatam, the Sankhya of the Bhagavatam, the Sankhya of the Kapila Muni of the Bhagavatam, deviates. This is the main difference. Uh, one of the main differences between the Sankhya of the Sankhya school and uh, 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 the later Sankhya school is that, remember I mentioned, Purusha and Prakriti are always two different things. Right? But here it says, you create, it's your own Prakriti. Not only superior, it's, it, it's what I can say, you actually become Prakriti. Right? And so this is more the philosophy of Sri Ramakrishna. He also uses this word, uh, Purusha and Prakriti. And he's, well, he also, in his language, the Sri Ramakrishna language, he called it Shiva and Shakti. They know the right now gave it more much more gendered. Purusha is person and nature. Now we give that a little more gendered language, and we have Shiva and Shakti, right? And so, of course, we have the character Shiva who rides a bull and holds a tree show like that, and Shakti rides a lion and holds a, 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 a spear and everything. That's okay, but here it's like more fundamental to that. Shiva is the non-dual awareness, awareness itself, right? Or Brahman as just pure awareness and existence. Actually, we call existence, consciousness, bliss, satchitananda, right? And shakti is that doing stuff. What's it doing? It's creating, it's sustaining, and it's destroying, right? That's the nat- that's what shakti does, right? And he says, when, and Sramakir says, when, when I think of just the part, when I think of it moving, I call that shakti. When I think of it just, just, just its existing quality, I call it shiva. So shiva and shakti is the same language. So actually, that's more attuned to this. You are... You are Shiva. You're the awareness that's, a, that's beyond what you're aware of. But you're also, in the beginning, you've created this awareness out of your own nature. Swapakriti. Your own Pakriti. Your own Shiva has become Shakti. That's the image of one of the, 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 one of the interpretations of the symbolism of Kali standing on Shiva. Shiva is that pure awareness. Kali is, is not standing on Shiva. She's walking. One foot is forward. She's manifesting Shiva. Shiva is non-dual awareness, pure white. Right and and pure white without any any color, right? You know, covered in ash actually, white of ash, not even just white, right? You can't get more non-color than ash symbolically, right? Both in color and in and in substance, right? A- or some symbolism. Ash is like nothing, right? It's re- everything reduced to nothing. No movement. There's no life. When you when this ash is, there's no shakti in it, right? What happens? Kali has one foot forward. She's moving. She's manifesting. And her color is black. Black is primordial, right? All colors combined, right? And uh, 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 and what happens? She she manifests. The one manifests first as duality. The two sides, both sword. She has a sword and a severed head, and giving blessings and fear, blessings and fearlessness, right? So she's so the one becomes a world of duality. That's the, the Shiva and Shakti, or Purusha and Prakriti. To use the same language that's being used here, right? And her garland of skulls. This is considered to be the um, uh, Akshamala, the um, Matrika. This is the, the letters of the Sanskrit alphabet. All combined is Om. So that's a vibration. That one movement in in, in, in in Shiva that becomes Kali is through the mantra Om. That begins to vibrate. That separates into all possible vibrations. The 50, it's represented by the fifty letters or fifty-two letters of the Sanskrit alphabet, and that expands into every possible experience once you got the basic the basic building blocks of building blocks of duality you have the whole thing right you know you have every possible experience can be can be there uh, that's one of the symbolism like that in the in the yanta and the sri yanta the same thing you have the bindu 
Uh, there's a, within that infinite consciousness, there is, a, in, using the language of Tantra rather than the language of Sankhya, there is a, uh, a, a pulse called Spanda, right? Some little, 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 uh, some, how actually the Tantric scriptures say by Svatantriya, by its own nature. It's the nature of consciousness to stir, right? In the first line of, of, of Sundar Lahari, it says that, that without you, without, oh Devi, without you, Shiva cannot stir. Right, she is a stirring of Shiva. Consciousness, there's some, it's its own nature, not caused by anything external to itself. It's its own nature, Svatantriya, to, to, to stir. That standa, that's shown by the Bindu and Ayantra. And that begins to create, the Bindu has one, then becomes two. We talked about this a few, a few weeks ago. Uh, to have one requires two because you have awareness, has to be aware of something. As soon as you're aware of something, that requires three. That becomes automatically three because you have aware, awareness, the thing you're aware, and, and the process of awareness, that becomes a central triangle. These are then seen as, uh, as the three gunas, as Itcha, Shakti, Kriya, Shakti, Jnana, Shakti, as, as Brahma, then they become personified as Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, and Sristi, Siddhi, Vinashana, and all the... As soon as you have... So yet one requires two, but requires three. Once you have three, then it starts. You have the... The, the 64, when one becomes 64 billion in the three chakra. Every possible, I mean, every possible imaginable variety, right? So that is, so how the how consciousness, how Purusha, how Shiva becomes everything, how it becomes a manifested world, that's kind of being described here. After creating this world consisting of the three gunas, in the beginning, by your through your own Prakriti, you appear to enter it, although you have not entered into it. So this is the mystery. You appear, you've, so you appear to enter it, but you're not entered it, right? So that's the thing we, we see, and, we, and it's a very sweet devotional attitude. Say, oh, God has become all this, right? So this is, so, but to say God has become all this, it's come out of his own nature. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing, anything you see is only God, right? But it's not exactly God, right? That's, that's the problem, right? It's Dupakriti. Right, you know, it is God. Of course, in in the tantric tradition of Devi worship, we see we we worship we're worshiping Prakriti. We see it as I mean, she's on top of Shiva for a reason. She's a that's a higher position, right? It's a, it's, it's uh, or shaktas, right? But even then, we have to see it's not just some it's not just the brute power of, of material energy. Consciousness has become energy. Consciousness has manifestation. But then, what happens if we start worshiping manifestation? We start worshiping energy. Right, we should do that. That's 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 shaktism, right? But it's also materialism, right? It's like it's it's one thing to see God in everything, how God has become everything, or to worship everything as God. There's a grave danger in that, right? Like a the, a saint sees this world as God, right? Which means that we this is this is my my worship, my deity is all like Yadevi Sarvabhuteshu, that God who exists in all beings. I mean, my my God is in all beings, right? Right, my God. Uh, uh, so that's the highest realization, experience, or manifestation of a saint. But there's grave danger because you can. That's also materialism. Oh, this, nature is God, right? Uh, my uh, people are God. That's also we. And but you can in, in in worship of matter we lose spirit, right? But matter is only spirit manifested. So it's a very complicated uh, play. You have seemed to have entered into it, but you haven't really entered into it. What time is it now? Six. Six. Okay. And then it gets jumps into a little more con- a little more complicated. We'll see if I can unpack it a little bit. Hmm. Where is it? 
यातमे भवस तथा ते so he uses this is a Swami Ambikaran had to look up this word because the existing translations I had didn't have a satisfactory translation and it's a term in Sankhya called uh, where is it Vivrikta uh, Vivrikta and Avivrikta Vivrikta means to, uh, uh, manifestations or permutations evolution evolutes that's a language of very much a language of um, Sankhya right because from Pakriti to go back to Sankhya Pakriti, Purusha is Purusha and what's Pakriti? Pakriti has 30, uh, 24, 24 in classical it's 24 in Tantric it's 36 I think evolutes but these are mind there's uh, Mahat the great uh, reality material reality then there's there's um Manas, mind, ahamkara, ego, buddhi, intelligence. Then there's um, uh, uh, the five elements, earth, fire, water, or ether. Then the five um, uh, 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 ganindiras, these are the, ele- the, the senses that perceive, that reach out and perceive those elements, which is the eye, the, the nose, the tongue, the skin, like that. Then there is the principle that experiences them, which is touch, smell, f- uh, um, uh, taste the, the senses, senses the uh, the organs of senses the the principles of senses the objects of the senses which are the elements and also then the five organs of, of ac- action which are which grab which eats which moves which uh, uh, procreates which eliminates like that the way of understanding the whole world it's not a, it's, it, these are the elements not in the in the periodic table sense right these are experiences how things are seen and you start categorizing you see these these things so these elements. The higher it says so. This uh, this um, uh, vikrita, these evolutes, right? These uh, seem to come out of the avrikta, the a a uh, vikrita, the ones that the, uh, seem to come from the, the uh, it's the ones that don't evolve. So that's a technical term. This this a uh, vikrita is like uh, the like uh, these are mahat. Manas, Ahamkara, Buddhi. These are the really, really big, these are the overreaching elements. These are the subtle elements, right? The subtle elements, just as the primary elements, like Ahamkara, like that, and uh, seem to enter their evolutes. Their energies indeed become the cosmic creations. So this is a strange thing to say, but just like the mind seems to become that which it perceives. Right, because in, in one sense, out of mind, out of intellect, out of ahamkara, out of out of seems in, in in the sankhya system, the elements and our experiences evolve out of that, right? But they seem to evolve out of it. But the mind doesn't disappear when the mind becomes the 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 uh, when the mind becomes the ego. It, the mind doesn't disappear when the ego becomes the intelligence. It, and the ego doesn't disappear when the intelligence, the mind, and the e- and, and 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 the ego perceive, analyze, identify with the five elements and their and, and their evolutes. The mind doesn't disappear. The ego doesn't disappear. Although they become, they don't lose themselves. So it's a way of saying that you've become everything, but you actually don't get lost. And it's another way of saying that why we don't see you really ultimately usually we don't see because we're using the further elements we're using the senses and just like the mind sees through the senses and the senses can't perceive the mind right similarly this whole world 
it comes from you, but the world cannot, the instrument of the world can't see you. That's the point that's going to be made. After manifesting, they appear to have entered the, the uh, to have entered them, but by careful thinking, we can understand that this is only in a, this is only appearance. This is why, O oh Lord, by careful inference of the evidence, we can understand that the higher gunas can grasp the lower gunas, but cannot be grasped by them. So it's interesting. This is in the middle of this, like an ecstatic vision of, you know, after after years in prison, watching his children be killed by a horrible tyrant. Right, the Lord finally, miraculously, is born by by immaculate conception. Right, uh, uh, gods and sages come and offer their prayers. Right, and then then Lord appears with four with four arms and like that, and he starts talking about if we analyze carefully using logic and, and evidence, we can clearly conclude this, right? It's a strange thing to, to uh, it's not your, your normal ecstatic rapturous, like, oh God, how, you know, overwhelmed, right? I think it's maybe, he, maybe he said this, or maybe whoever said this, whether he said it, or, or the sages who wrote this book, the rishis who composed this uh, version of the story, it's for us to understand, it's important that we will misunderstand once again Krishna Dubhagavan Swayam. Who is it? How are we to understand Krishna's birth? And therefore, how are we to understand his activities? Especially later activities with the gopis and the gopas and the little more controversial and, and difficult to understand if we don't have proper, uh, proper, develop, proper uh, training or proper purity. Right? So, so here it says, so, in this way, O Lord, by careful inference of the evidence, we can understand that the higher gunas cannot grasp the lower gunas, but cannot, can grasp, the higher gunas can grasp the lower gunas, but cannot be grasped by them. So the higher gunas are mind, intellect, uh, ego, right, are aware, the instruments of our awareness, and the lower gunas are the senses. Right? And grasping is through the medium, uh, this is called uh, uh, gra uh, um, grahi. Right, grahi uh, means to grasp, which these are through the senses, right? So just that, like the, the mind through the senses can grasp things and experience things, right? But they cannot be grasped by those things, right? We're aware of our thoughts, but we can't think of awareness, right? Uh, the, the example we've been using for years, you can, with your finger, you can touch so many things. You can't even touch, the finger can't even touch itself, but to speak of the one touching through the finger. Right, it doesn't work the other way around. The point is that through our normal senses, through our more normal uh, consciousness, through our normal experience, we can't we can't experience God. Right, it, it's another it's another category. The, uh, he's awareness, not the thing. He's become the thing he's aware of. Right, he's become pakriti, but pakriti can never know purusha in using this language. Right, the the through the mind, through the senses, through the material understanding material manifestation, material manipulation and experimentation, all the ways of like we like we work like we get knowledge in the material world, it doesn't work spiritually. Because we're trying to get at that which is aware that we're the things we're trying to grasp, the the instruments by which we're trying to grasp can't grasp the one using it. Anyway, you know the point is there. You are every oh stop. In this way, O Lord, by careful inference of the evidence, we can understand that the higher gunas cannot, can, can grasp the lower gunas, but cannot be grasped by them. Uh, this is a very nice word here. Let me find it. Um, ana vrita tvat. Why? You, who are you then? You are uh, the one who is situated everywhere. Right, so it's, now it's good to describe. Bahir antaram. You are outside and you are inside 
नाथे सर्वस्य सर्व आत्मना आत्म वस्तुनः यू आर एवरीवेयर एंड इन एवरीथिंग यू आर एक्सटर्नल एंड इंटरनल यू आर द सेल्फ ऑफ ऑल एंड यू आर द एसेंस ऑफ ऑल सर्व आत्मना आत्म वस्तुनः यू आर यू आर द वेरी यू आर द फाउंडेशन ऑफ एवरीथिंग एवरीथिंग एग्जिस्ट इन यू यू आर विद इन एवरीथिंग यू आर एवरीथिंग राइट दिस इज द वन दैट्स that he's praying to one who considers the visible gunas meanings it's it's all the language of 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 thankya sorry meaning the body etc the body in the material world as independent of the self is foolish and ignorant so we know we, like this world the body is because of the soul and this world is because of the the super soul the, the divine the, the absolute soul of of uh, of god right just like without the sun shining on the water the fi- water won't move right and without the soul within the body the body won't move so if we start thinking oh the body or the world is independent of the soul he says that by analysis we come to that conclusion there he uses the word mudda i think i remember i think somewhere in there i think which means uh, a fool right murk in <laughs> from <laughs> a foolish or our guruji said what foolishness like in the language of my guruji even some of us what foolishness whatever but it's like me what foolishness hasn't anybody ever attended satsang has he even thought about these things what foolishness such views right that's our guruji's language right uh uh to think that 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 this body so what what he's 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 what he's it's in modern day we would say this is uh a a critique of 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 um mechanistic science perhaps right uh that 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 life comes that the movement of the body comes not because of the soul but because of its own nature right it comes from matter life comes better in the simple way to say it is that life comes from matter rather than matter comes from life right you know it's like that that purusha pagriti comes from and is dependent on for its movement uh pagriti comes from and is dependent on purusha but modern science or modern I can't say modern but many schools in a, in a very simplistic simplistic way of oh materialistic science of this a dismissal way that, oh they they would say that they they hold that um uh, uh that that uh, life comes from matter not the other way around right purusha is a byproduct of prakriti it's a, to use the language of sankhya right uh, just recently we 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 posted online a uh, quote from some vivekananda from his patanja from his uh commentary on yoga sutra and he he says that um uh, there seems to be a big difference between the um uh uh the view of the ancient sankhists and the view of uh, modern uh uh scientists right one holds that li- that that life manif- mind and life and intelligence and all the qualities of life mind and life comes from matter and the other whole that's the scientific thing the evolution is you have matter and then that evolves into life right and the other whole the sankhya whole and the yogis whole that there's life there's spirit there's consciousness that manifests as matter that becomes matter right he said it seems to be two different things but actually they're not two different things so vivekananda is a great unifier of opposing thoughts by seeing the underlying principles between even oppo- even point for point contradictions he saw that they're actually saying ultimately the same thing so vivekananda was not fearful of any science any fearful of new theories of evolution and and darwin and for, i mean anything like that he he could he could, he didn't because everyone's searching for truth 
Right here, it's these people dismissed as, as fools, mud, mudda, right? As asses, actually. It's a stronger word in, sense, in the way it was used. Mudda. Foolish ass. That's the best way to, to say it, right? The way to describe it, right? Uh, but actually, they're also searching for truth. So scientists are searching. Everybody's trying to search for it. But Swami Vivekananda said they're seeing from two different perspectives. You have things go from, what is it? From, 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 oh, that's right. He gave that example. If you have a, you have a chain of A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. Life, matter, life, matter, life, matter, life, matter. And if you start it from A, B, A, B, life, matter, life, matter. That's the, religio- the religionists hold like that. See? But if you start at B, A, B, A, B, A, it's the same chain. Right? Matter, life, matter, life, matter, life. Seen from a different perspective. Right? He's, he's saying that ultimately they're saying the same thing. But here it's describing as, as those who think life comes from matter, these are, these are foolish. Uh, uh, and the basic idea that it's a different idea of evolution. It's not just by random, cha- random chance change and... and, and uh, 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 but either something is evolved out of something. If 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 uh, consciousness comes from matter, it has to be within matter in the first place. And where did matter come from? So in that chain, comes from consciousness. Involuted. Hmm? Involuted. Involuted. Yes. One who considers the visible gunas, the body and the external world, independent of the self or purusha, is foolish and ignorant. It says Vina Anuvadam. Not only foolish, he hasn't studied. He's uneducated. Right, but it's not that he hasn't necessarily have to, hasn't gone to school. He hasn't thought about this. You think about it. You can think about it. It's not that complicated. A little complicated, not that complicated. The foolish person, when such has been shown to be a mere play of words, a person accepting that which has been disproven is certainly a fool. Don't be fools. O oh Lord, learned the learned here. The word learned is uh, uh, um, uh, Vedanti. One who knows Vedanti means one who is learning, one who knows the Vedas, right? So, so the the sages, those who are educated in, in Vedic understanding, they say that janma stiti samyamam, that uh, birth or creation, stiti uh, uh, maintenance uh, and samyam and destruction, right? Of this universe comes the the, the birth. Sustenance and destruction of the universe come from you. That we see, even we say Stisivinashanam, the Lord is the, the creator of everything, destroyer, and like that. But you are without action and beyond gunas and without manifestation. So you start, they, the, the learned, smart people who know the Vedas are saying, you create, you sustain, and you destroy. But you are uh, uh, um, uh, agunat, you are without gunas, right? Avikriyat, you are without manifest. You don't manifest, right? Uh, you know, you you do none of these things. So how is it possible? Ish, twai Ishwari Brahmani, you are both Ishwara, the one who does all this, the controller, God, right, and Brahman, the unchanging absolute. How is this possible? Kali Brahman. Sri Ramakrishna actually uses term. He's they're the same Kali and Brahman, or Kali Shiva and Shakti. Or Purusha and Prakriti, Sri Ramakrishna, and use one word, Kali Brahman, not even a hyphen, Kali Brahman. Right? That which is Brahman is verily Kali. That which is Purusha is verily Prakriti. Right? This is a very, you know, uh, she says, for you there's no contradiction. Right? These, seems to, these two points, once again, it's the whole thing, how it, that opening, the first word that, that, we, that we looked up, uh, Jayamane Ajane, that the birth the birth of the birthless one or the manifestation of the manifestless one the name and form of the one that's beyond name and form right all these uh, these con- it's all been by con- even Vasudeva 
Vasudev, Vasudev all-pervading, and the son of a little baby of King Vasudev. Right. So that that this is the theme of the whole text is how the infinite. What, what's the nature of the how the infinite takes form, or even larger for how the infinite appears as form. The one that's beyond name and form, the one who's awareness itself, be- appears as the world of awareness, like we're aware of, and can also become an object. But this is the great mystery. Actually, uh, this will be where we end. Um, uh-uh. Oh Lord, learned, the learned say that birth, maintenance, and annihilation of the universe comes from you, although you are without action, beyond the gunas, and without manifestation. You are both Ishwara and Brahman. There is no contradiction in this. Whatever, is hap- happen- whatever happens, happens automatically by the gunas, by, by the gunas and is ascribed to you. So any movement, in, that's an, using Sankhya again, any movement in Pakriti happens because it's that sun on the water idea again you yourself for the maintenance of the three worlds assume by your own maya the color white the color red and the color black these are our color of our color yantra right he says the color white which is your own he says uh, um swamaya by your own maya you assume different colors i mean different you although you were out aguna the last verse said aguna but you appear at three gunas uh, sattva rajas and tamas First one is described as shuklam kalo varnam atmana, the color of your own self, which is purity, sattvaguna. Uh, raktam rajasa, and you are um, uh, you appear as rakta uh, rajasa upa brimhitam, and and red, the color of rajas, which awakens and and which is uh, charged with rajas, with energy, right? And krishnam cha varnam tamasa jan jana an Antayaye, there it is. Uh, and the color black, which is the color of tamas, inertia, janma antre, for destruction. So although you're without the gunas, you become the three gunas. You appear as the three gunas. Or, this is also interpreted, red is the color of Brahma, uh, white is the color of Vishnu, Satvaguna, and black is the color of Shiva, of course not in the normal iconography. Right. Also, you see color of Ma Kali's statue. The, we only use three, she. She painted her. Only three colors are used: black, white, and red. Right. These three colors are the, these are the colors. Our whole shrine: black, white. Everywhere you look on the shrine, even the tiles and the curtains, everything black, white, and red. Right. These are the three gunas. How the one infinite, beyond color, beyond quality, beyond everything, appears as the primary fa- in order to sustain and protect and and to manifest the material world appears as three. Still a mystery. So, just you yourself has ma- have for the maintenance of the three worlds has assumed by your own maya, by your own power, by your own nature, three colors for or the three gunas. Similarly, O Lord, you have appeared in my home. Right. This is again back to the actual. Right. You have appeared in my home in order to protect the world, O Lord. Which is Akila uh, Ishura, uh, O Lord of all. You're the Lord of all, and you've appeared in my home also. So think about this. This is uh, um, Jaima, Jaima, Jaima. Come, come. Um, uh, 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 Krishna has just been born. <laughs> very, very, very auspicious. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so first it was like you are not. You have to think that uh, he's he's Purusha, not Pakriti, beyond Pakriti. You have become Pakriti. You cannot be known by Pakriti, right? You can never an object of knowledge. You're always a knower, never an object of knowledge. But this last verse, but you have become an object of our, our perception. Right, you are imperceivable, 
you've created the world of perception. The world of perception cannot perceive you. There's all these log- all these logical points, right? Right. Using all the language of lo- logic and sankhya, and his final point. Yet you have become born as my son in my home in order to protect the world. And I, not even that is to to kill Kamsa. The last half of the verse will say to kill Kamsa specifically to kill Kamsa and his soldiers. Right. So this is a great myst- great mystery. How the, the uh, 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 how the the, the 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 supreme purusha, supreme awareness that can never be a, can never be an object of awareness becomes an object of awareness. Not only an object of awareness, an object of uh, adoration, an object of love, devotion, and charm. That will, as these verses come the next year or so, probably the tenth skanda will. will will continue, become more and more charming, more and more charming display. O Lord, you have appeared in my home to protect the world, O Lord of all, by destroying the demon kings and their armies of thousands of soldiers. This uncivilized monster, who is that that is, we know as to be Kamsa, having been forewarned, has killed all of your brothers in, in our home. So this is... Uh, 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 reference to the sons, other sons. We've gone quite a bit into what they represent and who they are and their backstories. O Lord of Gods, hearing from his men about your incarnation, he will immediately come with upraised weapons. Now, there's this is a very simple thing. It's like now, now he's killed all your brothers, your six brothers, right? Your sister has been the one brother and was transferred in a mysterious way like we know um, uh, 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 and now that he knows he heard actually the word this is the first time we hear the word avatar in this whole section right Krishna is the avatar right but here it says now hearing of your avatar that you've uh, s- uh, descended or embodied or appeared however you want to interpret or this uh, he will immediately they'll tell and immediately will come with upraised weapons and the commentators have pointed. This is this is of course the, the, an understandable scene if you know the story. He's scared that that Krishna is going to kill him, right? And, and and he's been killing all the. He wants. He needs to kill Krishna immediately. But the word for Kam, the, the word used for Kamsa. Kamsa's name isn't here, but it says um, um, asabhya. Asabhya means uncivilized or untrained or un unrefined, right? But here is not refined because we know Kamsa is a very refined person, very educated person, actually, right? But means somebody who is not spiritually uh, trained, right? And it's com- it's counterbalanced with uh, 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 Sura. Sura means the gods, right? Those who are full of light, right? So uh, uh, Kamsa is a monster that's been untrained. He's in deep darkness, right? And oh, and he says, "Oh Lord of Suras." Right, this Asura will try to attack you with upraised weapons, O Lord of Suras, of, of the divine ones, or, the, or civilized ones. They use this type of language. If if we if we counter counteract him as a demon to the to the gods, Suda, the opposite of Suda is not Asura here. It's Asabhya, uncivilized, which means Suda means civilized, or trained or refined, right, uh, devoted, right. So, and this whole section, he says, it was after all the thinking, carefully thinking and analyzing, those who don't, who still think the matter is that, 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 that the, those who still think, in the previous verses, that the that matter comes from spirit, that spirit comes from matter, right? 
right? Uh, those people are fools. That's the previous line. And now here, it, it's almost being defined here. He, what are his weapons? The, 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 the um, common, many ancient commentators said these weapons are these very weapons of material thinking, material logic, right? It cannot, so if you think, if we take it symbolically, it's, it, we're, we're glorifying an ancient happening of Krishna's birth on earth, but we take it symbolically also that, that, uh, 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 Kamsa, who, who uh, as, as, as a wicked, wicked conscious, a wicked ego, materialistic thinking, when it comes in contact with the, the truth, the fact that the that the the infinite, nameless, formless ground of being, the witness of all thinking, has now appeared in name and form as an object of perception. It can be known that the that the knower can be known, like basically that God can be known. That God is real and can be experienced. So you use Ramakrishna's language. God is Ramakrishna's big four bomb blast, right? In this mater- in this modern age, God exists. That's already you say that you start screaming that on, on, on a train on, on a on a public place, you'll be arrested, right? God exists, right? Second, that God not only is he can be experienced. That itself is 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 and not only can be experienced, we have to experience. That's why we exist. We exist to experience. We have to know God. And then the fourth one, which is I always call like the fire under our butt that he lights, right? He says, and if you don't experience him, if you don't realize God in this life, then this hum- the purpose of human life is to experience him. Then, and if you don't do it, then what happens? It means you've wasted your life, ultimately. Maybe you're, we, we interpret, you know, maybe you're a step closer. But let's, let's not get too wishy-washy. <laughs> if the purpose of life is to realize God, we don't realize God, we've not succeeded. Right, it's a very simple thing, right? So when when Kamsa, if we interpret Kamsa a little symbolically, when we realize that 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 our our materialistic thinking and our ways that that is not is not things aren't what they are, we appear. God is can be known, and when God is known, the whole thing gets uh, to a devotee. Knowing God is very sweet, right? To to a loving consciousness, loving heart. That same experience of God to the egotistical, impure unrefined, uncivilized mind is very violent, right? It's, it's a threat. He's like, oh my God, he's going to be going. We're thinking, oh wow, Krishna, people have been waiting. God, Swami, you've been, you've been reading the Bible time for six, for eight, eight years at Kali Monday. We still haven't heard, we still haven't found, Krishna hasn't been born yet, right? So we're thinking, excited for Krishna being born and comes to thinking, oh, when Krishna is born, he's going to kill me, right? To think about the difference in that consciousness. We're excited that Krishna is born and he's dreading that Krishna is born. When that reality becomes, when that re- reality becomes established, it doesn't it doesn't bode good for Kamsa, right? When Hiranyakashipu realized that actually he says, "Well, where's God? Where is this God that you keep saying?" Prahlad said, "Oh, he's everywhere. He's in his pillar. Yes, he's in his pillar." We all say, "Oh, yeah, God's in his pillar. God's everywhere. We can say that. We recite it. We just read the verses. God's everywhere. Uh, we believe it. We we smile it. But if we actually realize what would happen, or what happens to him, he says, "Show me." And so he, what he does, he hits, he, you know, we all know the story, he hits uh, the pillar with his, with, with his fist, and then what happens? He realizes God's there, right? And so we are to realize God, we probably go into, hopefully we go into ecstasy. When he realizes, he goes into panic. His whole world falls apart. It cannot survive, our friend Krishnamohan says, uh, that cannot, the ego cannot survive the shock of God, right? right? But the devotee ego can, right? So the example, to go back to uh, Ganesh, uh, I think next month or in two months we're celebrating Nishinga Chaturdasi, appearance of Nishingadev. Um, he says that, that uh, a, a knot can't be untied, 
right? We have if we have if we have soft hearts, right? And he's telling us how to do this in these verses, right? We have soft hearts that the, the last little bit can easily be undone, right? But if we have a if we have a, a knotted heart, a, a, a knotted materialistic consciousness, it cannot that such a knot you cannot untie, right? So if somebody wants to be merciful, and un- if God wants to, oh, I want to out of love, I want to untie the knot in your heart. That's what we're all praying for, right? But if it can't be untied, it has to be cut, right? So that's what happens to the for, uh, the demons like Hiranyakashipu or Kamsa or Ravana, right? Ravana was a gr- one of the greatest uh, de- devotees of all times, right? But it was a big knot. <laughs> Out of great love, the Lord came and untied. A little painful, <laughs> a little painful knot to untie, right? But uh, 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 so even in in in. In last week's verse, we we read. I'm being signaled that uh, <laughs> by the goddess of time in the other room that we have to go do arati. Uh, um, uh, 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 I forgot my point. That's probably good. Maybe that mom, <laughs> the goddess of the other room, told me shut up already. Well, so anyway, thank you for your kind of. We'll end there. We'll continue next week, God willing, with uh, 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 and then the, now Devaki will offer her prayers next week. So first uh, Vasudeva, then Devaki. Then we'll see what happens. Jai Sri Krishna.